It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good evening, live from State Farm Center and live on the Atlanta Enquirer Podcast YouTube channel. It's uh, Jeremy Warner and Derek Piper as we just saw Illinois protect its home court and defeat Michigan State 71 to 68. Five Illini in double figures with this one. Marcus Damas, 15 points, six rebounds, five assists. Coleman Hawkins, maybe the best player on the court tonight, 15 points, seven rebounds, career high, four blocks, two steals, two assists. Then you had Ty Rogers, career-high 15 points, 12 of that in the first half, 10 of it in the first 10 minutes. Justin Harmon, 10 points off the bench. Quincy Garrier, 10 points. Derek Piper, uh, we knew this one wouldn't be easy. We knew Michigan State, you wrote about it, would come out with a lot of urgency and competitiveness after their coach challenged them. I was really impressed by Illinois. I mean, this game could have gone either way, right? Like One foul call, one shot if it goes in for Michigan State and doesn't go in for Illinois. Could have been the difference, but I thought Illinois matched the intensity, matched the competitiveness, uh, and found a way to win late in the game. I think this is a huge win uh, for Illinois, potentially a quad one win if Michigan State uh, plays well the rest of the season. Uh, but I, I just think this is another huge notch for the team, you know, post-Terrence Shannon. Uh, to, to find a way to, to beat a team that really needed this game. Michigan State needed this one. They weren't able to get it because of Illinois. Yeah, it's a big one. And this is what really good teams do. When they're on their home floor and they're in one of those slugfest type of games, it's gritty and tough and comes down to the, the last handful of minutes and you're able to find a way. And that's speaking to a number of guys, like you said, being able to step up and balance out the scoring and make sure that not one guy's covering – carrying too much of a, of a heavy low, which, of course, Marcus has been able to put up some really big numbers. But for him to have a night where first 30 minutes or so, he's struggling pretty significantly offensively, not really getting the shot going. And uh, to have Ty's early surge, to have Coleman shoot the three like that, to have Quincy have a little stretch where Tyson Walker's getting going and A.J. Hogart as well downhill. But then Quincy gets the basket back-to-back times uh, in consecutive possessions. That's really big. And, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but Coleman's defensive effort was insane. Like four blocks, two steals, switching on to just about everybody on the court. He had possessions on Tyson Walker. He had possessions on Jaden Akins. So, uh, you know, that's somebody that we've talked a lot about, you know, stepping up and becoming more consistent, becoming reliable. And especially that's been even more magnified without Terrence Shan. I give him a ton of credit. I give a lot of – Obviously, the guys uh, credit for being able to just make sure this has been a, a nice transition to where they've come together. It doesn't look like it's it's forced. It doesn't look like they're uncomfortable with it. Uh, this is a tight knit group and, and one that is just coming together and having guys collectively step up and and not do anything that's maybe outside their realm of, of, of capability. So. Um, like you said, Michigan State needed it. They're one in four in Big Ten play for the first time and is those 29 years at Michigan State. And, and as you can imagine, leading up to it, the urgency that they had coming in here and, and trying to win, and they called it a must win. They didn't get it. And, and Illinois should feel really good, especially because of the road that is now ahead of them, which is pretty darn favorable. 
home teams in the Big Ten are like 75, 80% winning percentage right now. It is insane. So if you lose one of those, it's really hard uh, to win the Big Ten championship. So to win a game like this, it needs to happen if you really want to be in Big Ten, Ken, Big Ten contention and to stay with a team like Wisconsin that is capable uh, of winning the Big Ten. We know how good Purdue is, and they protect their home court against Illinois. So to do this is really important. But you're right, Derek. Like We were asking the players, and we asked Coleman afterwards, What's this been like the last two weeks? Like, how have you guys been able to lift and stay a gr- really good team, potentially a, a really, really good team, potentially four or five seed, whatever you want to call it in the Big Ten, but or in the NCAA tournament, but certainly a top five team in the Big Ten without Terrence Shannon and All American? I thought Coleman's response was really interesting. He just said, We didn't change anything. Like, we just continue to be ourselves. And I, I think that shows so much maturity because any other a lot of other teams Derek like one guy might have tried to do too much Coleman last year might have tried to do too much uh but they're running good offense right now uh with this group wasn't the prettiest tonight but they know what their roles are and and these guys play together so well we talk about connectedness but I thought that was really insightful from Coleman um to talk about like listen Terrence Shannon leaves oh my god we all gotta get outside of ourselves they haven't done that and and that's probably messaging from Brad Underwood too. So he deserves a ton of credit. Tom Izzo gave him a lot of credit, but boy, three and one with two big 10 wins over Michigan state Northwestern at home. You compete at Purdue. It's been really encouraging. Coleman said everyone kind of thought we were toast. Like our season was done and that was a slap in the face, but I think they've shown themselves a lot uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I appreciate Coleman saying what I think a lot of these guys are feeling that they have, tiptoed around the Shannon topic, but for Coleman to kind of give the answer, uh, you, you have to see it. Number one, you have to see the all the noise about Terrence and obviously the speculation of, and just kind of anticipation of the ruling that's coming up uh, possibly tomorrow with the hearing and whatnot. But just to say, like, there was a lot of people questioning, okay, is this ceiling capped now for this team? Is this team going to be, uh, you know, can they, we had a, to- a topic on the podcast a couple weeks ago, or can they finish you know, above 500 or a little bit better than that in the Big Ten now. And the way they've responded, the early indications are that it could be a lot better than that. So uh, they've come out with uh, a lot of energy and, and connectivity and, and response to it. Uh, they haven't looked like a distracted basketball team. They look like a, a tight knit one, obviously. And, and then, yeah, offensively leaning even heavier into the booty ball. And I, I think that Damask, even on nights when he does it, shoot the ball great like he did tonight. He is drawing matchups. Like he's drawing when he's getting a chance to, although A.J. Hogarth with the strength did match up pretty well with him as far as that goes. But uh, when he has a height advantage, he might draw a double and then he's passing it well out of that. And that's creating advantages and openings for this offense. Uh, I think that there he just shows a lot of patience. And a couple of times, you know, Ty got hit on the baseline for uh, an ability to, to then be wide open for a dunk and, uh, I thought it was big, obviously, early in the game for him to attack Sissoko. And, and it, it is – that's just what this team is about, is attacking matchups. It's about guys seeing who, who's got the the edge, uh, given the way the defense responds, then they go to work. So uh, it's it's really, really impressive and, and how improbable it would seem when you have mm-hmm. a 21-point-per-game score, a first-team All-American caliber player, leave your offense – and yet it's still a pretty multi-dimensional, flexible scoring effort from this team. And that's that's not something that a lot of people could say. But Illinois has that ability to be balanced. And right now, just the the consistency out of some guys like Quincy and Coleman, those guys have scored double figures in seven straight games. That's mm-hmm. that's a big, big deal, especially for a guy like Coleman, who we've seen nothing of this caliber throughout his career. Before we get to Coleman, who I, I thought was the best player on the court, um, AJ Hogar did a fantastic job on Marcus Damask. Like, I, I just thought he bodied him up. He was, he's obviously a strong guard, uh, and, and really didn't let him get the switches that he wanted. I, I thought he fought through some of those things. Yeah, kudos to Marcus Damask. Still gets 15 points, gets to the free throw line, makes all six of his free throws, including four in the final what. 100 seconds of this game, six rebounds, five assists, uh, barely turning the ball over. What do you have? No two turnovers tonight. Uh, you'll take a five to two from your your highest usage guard uh, on the lineup. So kudos to Marcus for that. He, he continues to be productive, and he's not going to have a lot of guys that can match up like him. Uh, Hogard did tonight. Uh, but let's get to Coleman Hawkins. He's playing like an NBA player. 
during this last month, Derek. This is what we thought could be the ceiling, and boy, is it good. Is it good? I know people can get frustrated with one shot or whatever. Like, Terrence Shannon does that. I would do that every once in a while. Um, what he's doing on both ends of the court has been so impressive. Joey had the stat 15 of 28 from three since Missouri. Uh, so over the last five games, he's becoming that shooter. You asked him a great question after the game, like, what's the what's change for you? Was, I just don't think about it anymore. And he went on to say, like, I'm a senior. It doesn't matter, whatever. Uh, but he's kind of blocked that out, and you're starting to see maybe he is an elite shooter, like Brad has said for, for so long. But what he did defensively tonight was insane. Um, he is, he's got a case for defensive player of the year in the big 10, probably get got to get the block numbers up, which he did tonight Four four blocks were a career high, two steals, uh, but just switching on everything, making things difficult for these guards, you know, Tyson Walker had 17 points, but needed 17 shots, Hogard 19 shots to get 16 points. Marcus Domas, kudos for him. Luke Goody, some of these guys, but Coleman Hawkins being able to switch on all that stuff. He's playing like an NBA player. He'll be one of the top 10 All-Big Ten guys, at least on my list. Uh, and he continues to elevate his game. So we're seeing we're seeing the star turn uh, of Coleman Hawkins over this last month. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I still have it kind of ingrained in my head. The the look that Boo Booey gave him when he thought he, you know, he got a switch on Coleman. And I it looked like he had the look of, I got a five-man on me. It's time to cook this thing up and, and he tried to drive him he couldn't he backed him out tried to size him up and either pull the three or, or go at him again and anything that he tried to work up Coleman was right there and, and contesting and, and allowed nothing and similar to tonight like Tyson Walker gets him and it's not really an advantage for Michigan State which is sounds crazy I mean pick out another guy that's playing the five and I know some people have countered and said well he's not a real five man but that's the point like they can play this switch everything type of defense. And especially when you have kind of that five man as your traditional screener, if Coleman's now on a guard, it's, it's not a, a real advantage for a guard to get past him or to, to pop a shot because he has the length to contest. So, uh, and then his anticipation, I mean, he had, I, I mentioned the stat line of four blocks and two steals. I mean, that probably doesn't even take account for probably five more deflections that he had. So it's just a guy that is, in the right spots, is anticipating this reading and uh, has been super active. And I also would say when you couple it offensively, I, I think that like he takes a long three tonight. And, and yes, we, we've said it before, but you could pinpoint any go to a, go to the star players, the players that are held in the highest regard, and they'll have a couple of maybe over aggressive plays or whatnot. I, I do think on the whole, Coleman has dialed down his his bad decision making for the most yes. part. Through this last stretch, there's only been one game where he's had more turnovers than assists. So that, that's – you go through his game log last year, there's a lot of games where that's not the case. Uh, he's He's been able to be more steady as, as far as that goes with his shot making. That's why he's shooting 50-plus percent from three during that five-game stretch. And then, like I said, the turnover rate is down as well. So um, he's answered the call in a big, big way. And, yeah, he, he looks like a guy that deserves the NBA attention that he – has gotten in the past and could come around again if he continues this. I want to shout out Justin Harmon, 10 points. He only made two of seven shots, but two big threes, got to the free throw line for four. He continues to to be that double-digit threat. Like, we knew Ty Rogers and Justin Harmon would have to step up their game, score more. Those guys have done that. Let's get to Ty Rogers, though. What a start to this game, Derek, and maybe a necessary one. Uh, 10 points in the first 10 minutes. They dorked him. Uh, Matt, Madi Sissoko was on him early. We know how Illini fans feel about him, and Rodgers cooked him. Uh, was aggressive, but, like, maybe he read your story. Maybe he <laughs> read some other people on social media. But it was a legit question. Can anybody do this? And Brad Underwood said afterwards, uh, dorking Rodgers has only worked for when you have a seven foot five guy, Zach Eady, uh, so far. And that's what we were talking about after last game. Can other people replicate this? I think other teams are going to continue to do this, uh, but you, you do see that. You know, if you're not Edie, um, if you're not seven five, it gets a lot tougher because Rodgers can maneuver around you. He can elevate over you, um, and he he's gotten better at finishing around the rim. I mean, what was he tonight? Six of eight uh, from the floor, and I think he started five of five. So um, he showed an aggressiveness and assertiveness, and I think that's what we've seen over the last couple of weeks with Ty Rodgers is, is being more assertive outside of the Purdue game. It was great, and I'm glad that you uh, 
threw the little jab at me. Uh, uh, Joey was going to try to put me on blast on Twitter. I think he said if he ends up with 20 that he was going to put the Stephen A uh, gif out there. And, it was a legit. It was a le- like yeah. it's a legit question. It still remains it's, a question. It still but, is, yeah. Yeah, but like the game afterwards to respond that way was – was really encouraging. Other teams are going to try it. Other teams are going to try to continue to do this because Ty Rogers is a weak link offensively, but we see he can still he can still score. He can still take advantage of some of those things. He's a good enough player to do it. No doubt. Yeah, and it, it could have been something that maybe messed with you a little bit mentally uh, after yeah. that Purdue game because of how much he kind of struggled and, and just seeing it, the fact that they're flat out not respecting you from anywhere outside of the paint. And he took it right at Matty Sissoko. Uh, was able to score on him, was able to draw a foul early, had a beautiful spin move uh, that he was able to execute. So uh, he went at him with confidence at, at one point after Sissoko subbed out, had Carson Cooper on him and left Cooper in the dust as he just drove baseline and, and threw down a big flush on him. So uh, Michigan State, I mean, it's been well documented. Their five spot is their biggest weakness, uh, and Izzo deserves a lot of blame for that. They're but uh, Xavier Booker didn't even play today. No, he didn't play. Didn't even check. Five star kid, yeah. Yep. So um, you know, Tom mentioned that he was pretty displeased uh with his his fives guarding Ty. Didn't think that they provided a lot of resistance to him. There will be more teams that try this. Um, and depending on the matchup, there there will be another five out there that I think can do this effectively. I I don't think this is I, I don't think Edie was the example that every team can do this to Ty Rogers, you know, never score again. And Illinois offense will be broken. I don't think tonight means that Ty Rogers can do this to every center out there, but it was a great response by him just to still have confidence to still attack. And then I, I love, I think his, one of his best positions on the floor is that like weak side baseline, especially mm-hmm. in booty ball. Like when you come to double or show help, he's there in that, in like that dunker spot, that short corner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and his ability to go up there and, and finish with authority. And still, I mean, the sample size is building for him at the free throw line too. Like he's yeah. he's over a 70% free throw shooter this year now, which is impressive. Yeah, and I was just looking up uh, conference play. Ty I think Rogers, it's over 70. Six of eight uh, during conference play. And, yeah, he's been making more of them lately. So he's – when you can do that, man, this is, by the way, become a really good free throw shooter, uh, free throw shooting team. With, without yeah. Dane Danger shooting a lot of these, uh, it is. Wouldn't becoming... it, hear, it was weird to hear Izzo say that. He's like, yeah. it's, a, it's a good free throw shooting team, and we knew that coming in. I was like, we haven't heard that about Illinois in a long time. I just saw it during conference play on Ken Palm. They are now second in the Big Ten in free throw shooting at 79.7%, Derek. It's good. That's huge. It's huge for a team that, you know, like that's a way to get points. And that's how they got points late in the game. Wanted to bring that up. Uh, let's get to that here in a second, though, Derek. I, I want to mention this. It's a thin team, obviously. Uh, Nico Moretti remains out with that foot injury. Uh, Brad said he's still ramping up, it sounds like. He's got to get cleared certain ways. Uh, but he is practicing. Amani Hansberry out again tonight with back spasms, Brad said, day to day. Uh, but he had, doesn't have really a, a big update on him. Dre Gibbs Allhorn was sick, Brad said. Uh, didn't get on the court tonight. Dane Danger plays only five minutes. But again, why would you take Coleman Hawkins off the court right now? Is what I would just remind anybody that's going to ask that question in our live chat. And I know they're probably already asking it. But Coleman Hawkins, 37 minutes. Marcus Damas, 38 minutes. Luke Goody, 36 minutes. Quincy Garrier, 33. Harmon, 31. Ty Rogers, 20. These guys are going the distance, most of these guys. Yeah, the conditioning and, and hold up is, is going to be – ability to hold up is going to be tested, at least in the meantime. We'll see – you know, I, I'm not, I don't think Nico is going to change the, the rotation minutes a, a ton. Obviously, a return by Terrence Shannon would have something uh, right. significant to say about that. But uh, and in the meantime, maybe, you know, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn pushes for some spot minutes here or there. Uh, I know that Brad mentioned that he was had been sick and that Luke was sick and Quincy and obviously he said that Ty was at Purdue. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes back to the point of the advantage of having Coleman being so switchable and really being able to to five-way switch. And it, you can't ball screen them into a into a, a driving lane because they just switch it and they're comfortable with a lot of those matchups, especially Coleman on guard. So when you put Dane out there, you're playing a different style. There's a lot more uh, susceptibleness to – 
to ball screens and playing and drop and really drop is is a death sentence against Tyson Walker because he's so good at that pull up jumper in the mid range. So uh, I get that idea. Uh, well, offensively, it looked like a decent matchup on paper for Dane because he put twenty on these guys last year and and they again at the five spot aren't aren't all that good at battling inside. So uh, it's just it's a tough thing for Dane. I know Brad mentioned yesterday that he'd like to find more ways to get Dane minutes, but I don't think he's going to pivot off of this style no. of play that continues to work. And as long as Coleman and Quincy as a duo are playing this well and this consistently, why would you do anything different? Yep. All right, I want to get to the late game. We'll get some people's questions. You can send those in. If you got super chats, we'll, we'll get to those, of course. Uh, we appreciate those as always. But first, let's hear from one of our great sponsors. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Think opposite of new year, new you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, Derek, uh, we wanted to see this team maybe play in a close game. They haven't really won a lot of close games. FAU, really the only other single-digit win, but they find a way to win this one. Michigan State had some heartbreakers, man, some some in-and-outs towards the end of the game, including the Tyson Walker uh, bucket. Illinois didn't score in the final 530. They'd done such a great job, 17-4 to run to respond to that big Michigan State push where they got up six uh, midway through the second half. What a response that was with some big shots from Harmon, Hawkins, you know, Domas getting to the rim, making a three as well, Domas, during that run. Uh, but we thought, what would this look like in the final five minutes? They didn't make a field goal in the final 530, but they didn't make six free throws. Luke Goody left the door open with that missed free throw at the end. But what would you make of, of closing time? It wasn't the prettiest, but they did what they had to do at the free throw line, and, and that's a credit to a team that – is playing a lot around the lane. Like if you would have gone back to earlier in the season, there was a critique of Illinois settling for too many threes, having too many possessions that, that don't penetrate inside the, the three-point arc. And now this team is, is truly playing inside out with, with booty, booty ball and, and matchup dependent uh, type of stuff and getting guys downhill and whatnot. So uh, it was good enough for tonight. If a couple of those threes or maybe even one uh, it goes down, and it's a different story. Maybe you're going to overtime or maybe, you know, mm -hmm. however you want to spin it. But, um, yeah, I think it's still going to be interesting going forward. I think there was kind of the dilemma for Brad of how much to play Ty late. Uh, I think, you know, he seemed to avoid it for a while while giving Justin Harmon some more minutes, which, of course, gives you five capable shot makers on the floor uh, when you got him in the mix with with Quincy and uh, Luke and Coleman and, and – uh, Man, I, I'm spacing. I'm spacing on who else is out there. Who who am I missing? Uh, Coleman, Quincy, Marcus, Marcus. Yeah, there you go. It's late. Uh, <laughs> so I thought it was all right. I, th I thought it was fine. I think they got 
you know, I thought it was a big rebound by Luke to pull that down, but then of course he gave it back on the missed free throw. Notably, and, Justin Hartman was out there late and not Ty Rogers, right? Yeah. And you have to, you you have to. Now, at the end of the game, it was offense defense. He'd take Quincy out. Uh, I, I believe it was on defense, and then he put Ty. Mm-hmm. And just so they're a little bit probably even more switchable. Um, but that was interesting. Um, you know, there's the first time we got to kind of see that. And, and Justin Harmon was part of the closing lineup, which makes sense if you need some scoring. No doubt. Yeah. And uh, you can really space it out. You're not going to clog up the lane too much when he's out there. And it just gives you that dynamic of, of space and post up and make teams make tough decisions. You can't cheat off of really anybody in, in that type of a sense. And, you know, Justin's made threes, he made two tonight, and he's made 10 over the last four games. And that's a, a good dynamic. And he's he's pretty decent to good defender as well. I would, you know, obviously, uh, Ty is pretty darn good at that end as well. But uh, I, I don't have a problem with Justin doing that. Veteran guy that can, can make some shots, and it worked. Yeah, one thing I want to mention over that final 530 where they didn't make 529, they didn't make a shot. They only attempted five, so I, I will give them that. But um, Damask missed a contested layup. No, that was a pretty good look. Quincy mm-hmm. Garrier missed two open threes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Coleman Hawkins made one of the biggest plays of, of boxing out A.J. Hogard. I thought he sold it pretty well. And I do want to mention, some Ohio fans complained about not getting home cooking. I think that was in your advantage tonight. There were a couple calls. I was sitting there going, that was that was a pretty good one for, for if you're an Illinois fan. So, and Tom Izzo was making mention of that. And I didn't really disagree with him. But Illinois, uh, 18 free throws made. Michigan State had just five. I think seven to 22 were the attempts uh, at the end of the night. Kudos to Illinois for, for getting those attempts. But you know, that was a huge play by Coleman Hawkins. And to step up and make those clutch free throws, him and Damask at the end of the game, Goody left it open. But I, I thought they made some big boards, whether it was Coleman on that box out or Goody getting that rebound late in the game where it was kind of pinballing around a little bit. Um, you know, Michigan State needed this game, and I thought matching that intensity late in the game was was huge. No doubt. If you would have told somebody earlier in the season that, all right, you're playing Michigan State who needs a win, you don't have Terrence Shannon, you need Coleman Hawkins to be consistent, and you're going to be relied on to make late-game free throws. That sounds like one of the biggest <laughs> nightmare scenarios, this ain't going to end well for Illinois type of things. And yep. uh, But they, they made it happen. So, uh, yeah, I do think – you got to give credit because, you know, Izzo spoke tirelessly after the Northwestern game about how physical Northwestern was as opposed to Michigan State. Illinois has to be a physical basketball team to get that many free throws. But I do agree that they probably got the benefit of, of more whistles than Michigan State did. Um, you take advantage of that when you're at home. So, yes, they did. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was what you had to do. You had to survive it. It was tense. It could have went either way, like you said, and – it, it says something about Illinois being able to pull that out. And hey, kudos for the Orange Crush not being here. Uh, I thought the it was electric at times. It was just a good basketball game. I know it was ugly, but it was like you could feel the intensity between these two teams. Like Michigan State with a four slap, and Illinois just went on that run right after they did the four slap. Um, so I. I just thought it was a fun atmosphere to be in. The Illini fans showed up. Chester Frazier was going nuts, like just in a defensive stance, firing up the crowd. Uh, it was just a really cool atmosphere. Uh, and, and you could tell, Derek, like these Illini fans are appreciating this team. Like that, that you know, after what happened, Coleman saw it. This team's cooked. But I think fan base, it's really rallying and, and identifying with these guys. It's been a – they don't want to talk about it a lot because I know they don't want to feel like show like they're we're a victim or anything in, in what is a terrible uh, situation for all parties involved. But how, how can you not be proud of those guys for for responding the way they have? Well, they're such a likable team, yeah. uh, and I think that people love the fact that they are bought in on winning. That the egos aren't aren't bigger than the the collective, and that. Guys are willing to sacrifice, like Justin Harmon. I, I go back to him a lot, being able to settle into the role that he's playing. Uh, I think Luke Goody could easily be like, you know, I'm a junior. You know, last year I came back and only played a handful of games and burned a year. I, I need to get my shots. I need to to be a, a focal point because I don't have that much time left. And uh, but yeah, and, and even add the yeah add the dynamic of of Terrence being out and a team that would have a, an easy excuse. You know, they could. 
not play up to par. They could be distracted. They could be whatever and get in front of the mic and say, hey, we're missing our our guy and it's tough and we caught a bad break and whatnot. But, no, they're, it's a no-excuse type of operation. Uh, they've been able to piece really well together and fit, and, and they play with a lot of a lot of grit. Um, I know that early in the in the Purdue game, uh, maybe lacking a little bit in terms of the the effort plays, the rebounds, and whatnot, but they showed a lot of tenacity and to be able to fight back in that game and, and to give themselves a chance. So uh, it, it's admirable. I think the team is backing them in a, in a tough situation, but also I just think that they can tell. You know, the team is talking. I think they sometimes have a hard time putting into words what their chemistry is and what their connectivity is. And it's tough. I mean, uh, but you can, you can see, feel it. You can see it. You can feel it. You can see it. You can see how much they like playing with each other. And that's easy to want to watch. And you can uh, tell and how much Brad loves coaching them. That too. That too. And last year was different. Last year was just, it was clunky and it was weird. And, and there were just such highs and lows and, there were personalities that didn't mesh and and whatnot, and there was selfishness involved. And this year is different. And this year is uh, a team that's bought in for each other and a, and a fan base that when you're a top 10 team, you should definitely back that anyway. But yeah. uh, they can sense that there's something really brewing here. So I think yeah. uh, it was a fun night to be here, even without the crush. And I think there'll be a, a number of those going forward because uh, they're, they're a product that you want to see. Yeah. All right. Good question from Joseph. Uh, love that even on off nights, Domas seems to find a way to contribute. Agreed. Like I, I thought Hogar made things difficult and he still got 15, six and five. Also Coleman defensive player of the year. Who else in the big 10 has as big of an effect on their team's defense. I hope the coaches don't vote for just the guy who has the most blocks. Like, was it like AJ Hammonds on the all defensive yes. team one year? Like, yes. I was just like, what are we watching games? Um, yeah, man, like Coleman's as impactful defensively as anybody. I mean, Edie is too. Edie's could be in that mix, but he'll get player of the year. Um, McConnell's not at Rutgers anymore. Northwestern doesn't have Audige anymore. He was kind of their stopper, and Nicholson's having an awful year. Um, Wisconsin have anybody, Derek? Uh, I don't know. Wall's I was a pretty good defender. There. Yeah, I was just looking through the stats. Cliff Amore leads the league in blocks. He's got, I think, He's three and a half. Probably the front runner, even though that team's awful. Three and a half a game. Cliff Eight. is great. I love Cliff. And, yeah. and best rim protector in the Big Ten, for sure. I think Coleman's a better defender. More impactful yeah. defender, I should say. But they're yeah. both great. Yeah, Ace Baldwin leads the league in, in steals, but I don't think Penn State's winning any awards for anything. So, um, yeah. Indiana, I, Indiana has to play defense because they don't playoff and score <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for darn sure yeah i mean last year it was a split between audige and mcconnell neither one of those guys are in the league anymore uh i think that coleman's definitely very very deserving he's just so he's just unique you don't see a lot of guys that even if he was still a four just his ability to guard everybody and, and have mm -hmm. the the type of just variety in his game in terms of deflection steals blocks and whatnot, but but to playing with the five and, and do that is is unique and, and special. So he he's definitely deserves to be all Big Ten defense and I think the defensive player of the year is and it, it's kind of goes without saying it, it's legit in terms of that campaign and needs to needs to keep going. Yeah, he's already campaigning for himself on Twitter. I saw that. I, I don't I don't mind it. He he deserves it. Uh MJF, why does Illinois not try to win the jump ball at game start? We should ask this in the next presser because we, we've been asked this after every game and we haven't asked because what, there's so many things to ask about with this team. Uh but maybe before Maryland, Derek, we, we can ask this one. Defer to the second half. I guess that's what it is. But yeah, Quincy doesn't even try to jump. Uh I noticed that I can't remember which game it was. I was like, hey, he didn't jump on that one. Saw it again tonight. I was like, oh, I guess this is a this is a thing, but I don't know. Kind of weird. Quentin, what's the actual strategy on offense? Without booty ball working, things got stagnant and no one moved without the ball. Lucky to hold on and win. I mean, this team is number seven in the country in offensive efficiency. They're the second during conference play. Really not worried about their offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It did bog down at times. Um, yeah. I think early it was there was a little bit of shock value again to see, all right, ties on the center and 
it, it got a little it got a little clunky at times and Ty goes to work with it. It is the it's a matchup hunting offense. And and yes, there are it's times slower. It's slower, slower now without Terrence. Like you don't get those easy fast break points. Right. It's more methodical. It's more Wisconsin like, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. boy, it's been efficient. When you make the free throws they do, when you make the shots they do, they're they're making threes at a pretty high rate here recently. Um, yeah, I, it's working. It doesn't working. always work on every possession, but it, it's working. It's working. It's getting scoring balance. I mean, those are things you want. And uh, I think they share the ball pretty well. It, it does turn into some ISO ball uh, a decent amount, but I, you'll, you'll live with that. You, you want teams to decide whether you want – to play Marcus in an ISO or you want to make him give it up. And if you make him give it up, then you're going to have a guy that's open on either the perimeter for a shot or you come from the the base or you come from the other side and ties on the baseline. And that's the way they play. And I think that uh, Quincy's ability to drive the ball is so, I don't know if it's underrated. It was underrated earlier in the season, but I just, I've brought it up a number of times. I think it's really, really key because Illinois hasn't had that. They, if you go back to a couple years ago, different team and whatnot, but one of the real issues for Illinois uh, was, you know, around Kofi, they just had a lot of one-dimensional guys. Like mm-hmm. Plummer could only shoot, and, and Trent mostly was the shooter and didn't finish well at the rim, and DeMonte couldn't drive it, and, and Grandison wasn't very athletic and couldn't kind of make plays off the bounce and create. It, these This team has so much more multidimensional to it because – Think about can, last year. I mean, Shannon – Meyer started to get you there, mm-hmm. but RJ Melendez was just yeah. corner three guy and wasn't yeah. all all that good at it, right? Dane Danger is just a low post scorer. Like, yes, they have gotten a lot more versatile throughout their lineup. Yep. Yeah, it's important. So was it perfect tonight? No. It and they had some stretches. I mean, there was a game of runs, especially in the late first half or Illinois would go go on a, a big one to expand the lead to 10. And then Michigan State punched back with their own like 11 to 2. And it kind of swung that way. Each team had their moments. Um, but I, I think on the whole, you're going to have nights where you don't make shots as well. They didn't shoot as well from three tonight. But on the whole, the offense, considering who you're missing, has been pretty good. I've seen Brian talking a lot about Luke Goody. He's saying 36 minutes is, is too much for, for Luke Goody. Brad Under would trust that guy. And he got six rebounds tonight. I thought he had one of his better defensive games. Luke's not a shutdown defender, but he battles. He works his tail off. I thought he was trailing guards better than Ty Rogers was tonight. Ty was taking some interesting paths that was giving Tyson Walker some open shots. I mean, fighting through those screens is hard. I thought Luke battled with some of those. Not a great offensive night for him. 0 for 2 from 3. Had 4 points, but they just trust him. He was a plus 10 tonight. In his 36 minutes, that means Illinois was a minus seven in the four minutes. Oh, good, he was not on the court. Plus, minus is, is can be wonky at times, but I, I don't think Luke Goody was a problem tonight. I agree with that. Yeah, it could have been a situation where you look at the guard play from Michigan State, and if just look at the starting lineup, if, if Ty is going to guard Tyson Walker, then somebody's going to have to guard AJ Hogard uh, out of Luke or Marcus and. It wasn't really something that that killed you, I, you know. Hogard got battled on Hogard too, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did for sure. Uh, and you know, Hogard made some tough shots, some high arcing mm-hmm. floater type shots. Uh, but Goody didn't. He wasn't getting burnt downhill or anything like that. He has six rebounds. He leads you in offensive rebounds, and I had three of those. Uh, I thought he scrapped and and was a tough, hard nosed guy that just didn't have a couple go down tonight. And it's obviously the opposite against Purdue, where he makes four. So. Um, You'll live with that. You know, in an ideal world, you got Shannon in there and you can dial back really a couple of guys' minutes and, and whatnot. So, uh, but in the meantime, you're going to have to play some heavy minutes for guys. And I don't really have a problem. I wouldn't give <laughs> Goody's minutes to Danger. Uh, that wouldn't be my solution. Um, I didn't have a problem with Luke yeah. tonight. DC one, I buck 99. Hey, hit me, uh, hit me up when I'm in Maryland, man. Uh, we, we can get together. Um, Thank you for that uh, super chat. We really appreciate it. I want to get to the Maryland game here in a little bit. Joseph says, this is my favorite Underwood team. Wow. wow. I, I mean, I get it, especially if this is if this became the team to get to the second weekend. I mean, that would be like that would be one of the most beloved teams uh, in, in Illini history, right? Just because of 
what's happened and can they get there? I mean, any team that had Andres Felice, especially the one that should have been to the NCAA tournament, that team was a lot of fun as they rose in the Big Ten. And come on, 2021 was – I know they didn't finish, but, boy, that, that weekend in Indy was – and that run at the end of the season was insane. That was special. I, I mean, I don't know how – I'm not going to say I don't know how you top that because how you top that is go second weekend beyond. But that was, you know, that was one special seed. three months especially, yeah. What a – yeah. What an amazing run. And there was a good Big Ten. I know they didn't show up in the tournament, but like that that win without Iowa at Michigan is, is one of the, the more memorable games uh, in, in recent memory. You go to the previous season, how great those battles with Iowa were and to finish it that regular season uh, there. And that team was really surging at the right time. And uh, this team does have a, a chance, though. I mean, if they go the furthest in the tournament, I do think they got a great chemistry about them, a likability like we were talking about. And it's kind of to bring it to the team that was in the building tonight. It may not be the most talented team uh, in terms of like, I don't know, with Shannon, it, it's up there, obviously, <laughs> to have a conversation. But Tom Izzo, maybe sometimes you, his his brightest of stars or maybe his best NBA talent didn't lead to the deepest of runs. And so maybe there's some of that dynamic to it where it's the old teams. It's, it's the, the old, old teams. Like you think maybe of Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson lost yeah. in what the second round or something like that yeah <laughs> and like then these other teams that just have these old guards matt mcquade on it right. i think those are the teams that go really far right so maybe there's some of that dynamic to it look i'm not going to tell you how to fan if you if this is your squad this is your squad right. um but yeah that i i put that 2021 season in such high regard that there's yeah. still a significant gap for me and but there's a lot of season left too I wanted to bring this up, Derek. I forgot to bring this up with the offense. It's only a four-game sample size, but we had really big questions about this team's shooting ability. In Big Ten play, they're shooting 43% from three, shooting 80% from the free throw line, and uh, they're only shooting 33% of their shots from three. So they're they're not just chucking up threes like we thought before. So they're getting to the free throw line. They're doing that. So um, Brad Allen said this team could shoot. Like Now, during non-conference play, they weren't great, especially early. Uh, but those numbers are are definitely coming up. So it's a really good there. ratio. It's a good hit rate and it's a good ratio. You're not taking too many threes, and then the threes you are taking, you're making it at a good rate. So uh, I know that the number since December one was like 37 percent, and maybe has gone up a little bit of late. But yeah, in Big Ten play, to be 40 plus percent is really really impressive. Coleman, of course, doing what he's doing from three is making a big difference there. If you can get Tabasco in from three, I mean, that could be even more of a, a formidable perimeter shooting attack. So uh, that's that's a big deal. And if, if they're going to make shots from three and they can post you inside and, and drive you with a couple of different guys, that gives you the, the, the multidimensional dynamic that makes you tough to guard. All right. Uh, Eric brings up. Can't wait to take on Maryland and Dante Scott now that we finally have a big athletic forward to guard with Gary A. I agree. This is like my biggest storyline going into the game. Illinois has lost nine of 11 to Maryland. And oh. it feels like Dante Scott has had all of his best career games against uh, Illinois. And now he's struggling for most of the season. I think he had a pretty good game tonight uh, in a win over a terrible Michigan team. Uh, that's just going downhill very, very quickly. I don't expect Juwan Howard to be the head coach next year with the way it's going. But interesting matchup here, Derek, because this is a talented Maryland team that is really disappointed, but they are 10-6, and 2-3 and three in Big Ten play. Like Michigan State, they see this as a huge opportunity. Get their season back on track. Get to 500 in the Big Ten uh, and, and get a quad one victory for their NCAA tournament resume, which they have no – They the first top 100 win this season was against Michigan at home. Um, so this is going to be a big game for Maryland. I think Illinois is going to get their best shot. I mean, Illinois is not a target when you're a top 10 team in the country. Jameer Young's one of the best guards in the Big Ten. I, I think Julian Reese is a phenomenal player. But Coleman, that matchup, Quincy against Dante Scott, Maryland does not shoot the ball well. What do you think of this matchup? It's another game where you have an opponent that's going to feel like it's a must win. And it's even more of a must win for Maryland if they still – are trying to salvage the season and make it into a, a tournament push. Uh, they have a lot of work to do. Their net ranking is in the hundreds. And like you said, as far as the quality of win, uh, it's just it's just not there right now. And Michigan, uh, beating Michigan at home is not a 
it's anything that's going to look good on your resume at the end of the season. So uh, they got a lot of work to do. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the team. Quinn, I picked third in the Big Ten. By the way, I was with there. I was with you, man. I I was putting my my stamp on that as well. Uh, didn't know that they were going to shoot it this poorly. Like Hakeem Hart was the one guy leaving their starting lineup, and I know he was a good shooter, but not like this crazy game-changing loss for them. And he's not even playing that much at Villanova, which is crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Jameer Young hasn't shot it as well. And then they're playing this bigger lineup. And, you know, a lot of times they play Geronimo, Scott, and Reese together, which has got some Indiana vibes to it with some, yeah. too many bigs and not enough guards. And, and they're on the note of guards, their they're freshmen have struggled. Um, yeah. Good Harris freshman Smith, class, yeah. Really good freshman class. But Harris Smith is – really struggled to shoot it. Kaiser came in known for his shot making from the perimeter and has struggled there. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say that having Quincy now, you, you're cool with seeing Dante and you look forward to that. Can I'm not saying Illinois fans would wish this, but can you bring EJ back? Bring EJ back to Ohio State and say, we finally found the good, the perfect matchup for you, EJ. Uh to, to go at that one. So, uh, what do you think uh, Jim Beheim was thinking? He was on the call for Westwood One tonight. Uh, it's like, man, this Quincy Gary is pretty good. This wasn't Quincy's best game, but uh, he's turned in. I mean, he's peaking at the right time with his fifth year here. No doubt. Yeah, I think that he might say if he stuck around there that it might have been easier for for Jim to win a few more games <laughs> and lose a few less games to Colgate on their home floor uh, than they did in the last couple of years there for. <laughs> For Jimmy, but uh, yeah, he's playing like he was the last time Bayheim got a close look at him, really. I mean, mm -hmm. all-league guy in the ACC, sophomore year, yeah. a lot of double-doubles that season, although I think he's got a chance to surpass that. I think he's got five double-doubles this year. He had eight that season with Syracuse. So, um, And then as Brad was talking about in the postgame, he's, he's grown a lot as a defender um, from where he was at Syracuse to where he is now. So yeah. uh, he's probably got to be – Got to be uh, maybe not loving or hard to stomach, but surely probably easier to stomach than what Brian Mullins is watching, seeing Marcus Damask and Lance Jones. Uh, just, you know, lift some Big Ten contenders. Brock, assuming Illinois wins Sunday against Maryland, will this team be in the AP top five come Monday with all the movement in the top ten? Yeah, there's been a lot of losses, but I, I think Illinois needs more impressive wins to, to hop up there. And, and there's – Let's be honest, Eric. Like Ken Palm projects Illinois as the favorite in seven straight games here. There's not going to be a ton of opportunities to have like marquee wins here. This is though where you got to take care of business. This is consistency is the hard part in the Big Ten, and I don't expect them to win seven straight games here, but um, they should be the favorite in, in seven straight games here. When you got Maryland at home, Michigan on the road, home against Rutgers on the road at Northwestern, that's not an easy game. Uh, Indiana comes to town and they can't score. And then at Ohio State's a difficult one. Home against Nebraska. I'm, I'm scared of Tomanaga every time I'd play him. Your guy, man. Yeah, love him. Uh, a game the other night. They're much better at home. Like All these teams are much yeah. better when they're, when they're playing at home. But um, there's not a lot of marquee. But if you keep winning, you can creep up. I, th I don't think it's going to be a big jump for Illinois without any of these big wins. Uh, with not being able to beat Purdue, you got to creep up in the standings and just keep winning games. Right. There's some teams ahead of you that maybe even lost this week that just have some more marquee wins. Uh, and that's going to be tough when people look at it to try to evaluate, should you should you jump up? And uh, Illinois' best win right now, FAU almost took another loss tonight. <laughs> Tulane nearly got him, if not for a foul on a three-point attempt at the very end, uh, had FAU just escape. So uh, it, it'd be well, a can lot. Can I say this? Can I say this? Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, Derek. It doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it doesn't. I know it's fun. Yeah. It's not fun to be that rank. Look at the net. That's what matters. Yeah. Like tomorrow, if you're number nine in the net, you're a three seed in the NCAA tournament. That's what matters. Like that is the number that matters the most. The Ken Palm number to me matters more mm -hmm. at this point. The AP rankings, it's fun. Like it's fun to say we're the number five team in the country, but right now they're a top 10 team in the country in the metrics, and then they probably will be in the net after tonight. Like those are the important things. Yeah, and Ken Palm right now has you 10th, and the net probably is similar in terms You're of – You're 11 going into the night, yeah. Yeah, you'll be in that 8-9 range, I'd imagine. You do add another quad one uh, with beating Michigan State. At least that's a quad one for now. Um, and I do think Michigan State's going to strengthen some things together. they got a favorable schedule after this. They're not going to be in the bottom of that Big Ten picture for long, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, so, yeah, if, if 
this wasn't now a nine and seven big uh, nine and seven Michigan State team that you just beat. There'd probably be more appeal to this win, and it might move the needle a little bit more in the AP. But you said it right there. I mean, the AP, it, it's it's fun because that's the the ranking that flashes across the bottom line on Sports Center and, and whatnot. But other than that, it's it's the net, and and you got a quad one tonight, so you should be happy about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, obviously, Terrence Shannon's hearing the TRO hearing is tomorrow. I have no breakdown of what I think the judge <laughs> is going to rule in that. Obviously, it's a big day for the Illinois basketball season. Uh, obviously, if if he doesn't get it, uh, they can appeal um, and all those things. But we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll see what it is tomorrow, Derek. If they get him back, obviously, it'd be huge. I'd have a lot of questions moving forward. Uh, maybe we get a statement from Josh Whitman and, and Brad Underwood, or at least the university, about how they will approach that moving forward. Uh, but from what I understand, it's just going to be – it's in Springfield. The plan is to be in person, from what I was told this morning. Uh, and Terrence would be there with his law, lawyers. The university would be there with their lawyers. They've university by now has had to submit a response. Um, it's 12.06 a.m. now. They had to do it by 11.59 p.m. And uh, – the judge goes over that. Uh, Terrence Shannon's team will go over that. And then there'll be a back and forth of questions. But when I was told, the, the judge who rules probably has a pretty good idea of where he's going um, with this going in. But then ask some questions. And then we'll see if there's a ruling tomorrow. That's not a guarantee, I was told. So, like, uh, the expectation is there should be a ruling. But that's not a guarantee either. So, uh, I'm not a legal expert. I, I don't know what's going to be here. Um, so, Sorry if I can't give you everybody a prediction about what's going to happen. We'll find out tomorrow afternoon or maybe not. We'll see, we'll see where this goes. But it's obviously, if you can get Terrence Shannon back on this team, it'd, it'd be mass, massive. But I, I don't know if Illinois can't count on it, obviously. Right. Yeah. And there's, to my knowledge, I don't know it well enough. Is there a precedence for something like this in terms of like you can point to other situations and say, this is what you'd expect? I, I don't. Again, I, I don't have a law background. I I know that a big part of Shannon's argument is is due process and presumption of innocence in, until guilty. But I don't I don't know that a university do they have to give them due process in a situation like this. I, I don't know that there's under law like it, it's I, I don't know. I don't you know he's charged with rape and yeah. I, I have skepticism of if a judge is going to tell a university you can't stop a person from playing basketball for you. Like yeah. that, that's, that's just, I, I have a Especially lot of skepticism. with a felony charge. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of skepticism going in tomorrow. I know there's some optimism uh, with Shan's legal team. I wouldn't expect them not to have optimism with, with right. going forward with this, but um, I, I will find out the judgment of one person right yep. tomorrow. And that would give them 10 days. Uh, and I would imagine that would get extended. You can appeal these things and then you move to the next step and, and all that. But uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow, but I, I think Illinois men's basketball will be paying attention to this very closely. Of course. Uh, but I don't think they can count on anything tomorrow. I don't think they're counting their season on whatever judge rules tomorrow. I agree with that. Uh, you and I were talking before the game. I do think a different dynamic now is because of NIL. I think that's something that Shannon Sai will really hit on, that it's mm -hmm. part of his money-making capabilities, both now to support his family with the pretty good chunk of – NIL money he's making and then to try to further his situation uh, professionally. Um, so I, I think that that is, it's an, it's an argument. It, it, I don't know how well it's going to play. We, we're not going to know until uh, we, we see the ruling and, and how this thing goes, but I, I agree. I know that nothing, literally nothing's been said publicly out of the Illinois side leading up to this. Uh, I'm sure they will have something, at least maybe the university. I know that we were told that tonight that, uh, if there is a decision or a ruling that expect probably a university statement, we'll see if there's a uh, Brad Underwood or Josh Whitman statement as far as that goes. But really we're, we're up in the air right now. And this is a major, major decision because if they, if he gets the TRO, if he gets the te temporary restraining order and that holds with an injunction to follow, like the only probably has him for he might, the might have him the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I think they would have him the rest of the season because the trial wouldn't start until, after March, um, right. for sure, and where it goes from there, uh, it'd be it'd be weird. Like if he's playing with with an active charge like that, uh, felony charge on him. Uh, but I think if if it gets granted, I think he's going to play. 
Yeah. I, I, I think oh, yeah, I agree. I think they're going to play him. And I, I do think that if he gets it tomorrow, I think it's going to be not just 10 days where they put him in and all of a sudden they got to pull him out. I, I think they'd, they'd stay for a while. So we'll find out. Uh, again, we're not legal experts, but that's just kind of our vibe with how things are, are going on this. I do want to mention uh, two Illinois football coaches fired today. Uh, Andy Boo, linebackers coach, Antonio Finellis, cornerbacks coach, fired today. Um, I had heard a little bit of murmuring about Boo. It's a little bit of a surprise because he's he's well-liked, a good recruiter. Um, Finellis is, would not have been a surprise to me early in the year, but Joey and I talked earlier in the week about just because there hasn't been a coaching change yet doesn't mean anything because January is when it happens. You want to get your signing class in. You want to get the transfers here and then – more jobs open up. I and mean, we're seeing Alabama now is, is open. LSU fired its defensive staff, which Kerry Cooks was on that, who has got connections to Brett Bielma, and that would make a lot of sense. Th- this can be seen a couple ways because you had the defense was not good enough. Like the decline was way too much. So this does put some pressure on Aaron Henry, but I also wonder, Derek, if this is – does Aaron Henry get some guys? Does Brett Bielma go, what do you need? Like, what do you need to succeed? Because we need to succeed this year. Year four, we got to go to a bowl game. We we have to be better than we were last year. We can't take a step backwards. So be interesting to see where they go from here. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the defensive backfield, well-documented, really, really struggled last year. Uh, I think some of that was personnel uh, in terms of, you know, you had the drop-off with the guys going to the NFL. And in hindsight, you maybe would have liked to add another piece or two at corner in the portal or, or just how that – See how that would have matched Still out. Still need to. Still need to. I was going to say, yeah. Um, I, I do say with Brett, you know, it's a guy that it's got to be tough where he's got a previous relationship with a guy like Tony Peterson. And after one year, has to make a, a decision and, and move in a different direction. Finellis is a guy that he coached and a guy that him and Aaron Henry are, are boys, right? And I will say that cutthroat kind of part of this, like he, he's willing to do that. Lovey, I had questions about that. Right, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, Brett. Brett, this means a lot. This this job means a lot, and he, he's showing urgency. So, um, I, I think that's a big deal. Like, and we'll, we'll see who they hire, but I, I would imagine he's got a plan. He's got an idea of who he wants. He usually does. Yeah, and I'll throw it back to you. Like, as far as I know, it seemed like Boo was getting some some guys out on the East mm-hmm. Coast. Is is that is that a surprise from that sense? What What do you think? That yeah, I'm really. That? I'm really interested to ask Bielma when we get to talk to him. Uh, and and he'd done a good job with guys like Dylan Rosiak, Kanena Odaluga. Um, so that's why I'm wondering, is it just like, Aaron, do you need something different? I mean, the name I speculate would be John Hollisack. I don't think it's going to be him. But, like, John told me he'd probably like to work for Brett at, at some point as a linebacker's coach. But Andy was doing such a good job. He recruited James Kurtz, his player. Uh, John, if people don't know, former Illini great, Loyola Academy coach, former NFL player won three state championships in the high school level. He's been retired for a year, but he's getting the itch to get back in. Um, but there's there's guys out there like Ted Roof was just um, fired as Oklahoma's D.C. He coached with Aaron Henry and Vanderbilt. Matt House uh, was, I believe, the LSU defensive coordinator who coached with Aaron um, or coached with, who was it, uh, Paul Christaff back at Pittsburgh. So there's a connection there that's really interesting. Um Oh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised by Andy Boo when I heard that name, but Terrence Jameson wasn't going anywhere. Aaron Henry, pretty good idea, wasn't going anywhere. So that leaves a couple spots. You just added Charlie Bowen. But I'm wondering if this is Aaron Henry getting to put a stamp on his staff because I don't think he did that last year. Like Finellis, he obviously knew, and I think he would have hired anyway, but Bowen was definitely, I think, a Bielema hire. So I think this might be the chance for Aaron Henry to put a stamp here. Maybe Aaron caught some of the Inquirer film rooms and watched Jay Lehman as his linebacker coach. <laughs> oh, everyone's going to do that. I know. <laughs> going to fire the people up. Yeah, Jace, Jace told me he doesn't like that lifestyle idea. and I, I, I don't know I if know. his family would like that either, but it'll be interesting to see where they go. From and we like having him on our side. Yes, yeah. So everyone's telling you Michael Tua be a coach and Jay Lehman be a coach. No, 
I want to be selfish around here. Right. All right. Uh, it is after midnight. We need to get out of here. We've been talking for about an hour. Thank you to the 400 plus who've been on this throughout the entire thing. Appreciate you guys. Give us a like on the way out. We really appreciate that. So don't think about it. Just hit that like button. Uh, hit the notifications bell. Subscribe to us. We appreciate that. And for all you listening to the podcast, give us a follow rating review. And we'll have much more at Illini Inquired. Derek, I believe, writing about Coleman Hawkins, correct? That's correct. Yeah, talking about Coleman, who has phenomenal. Uh, Joey Wagner writing about Ty Rogers, uh, player grades as well. And uh, we'll have the latest with what happens tomorrow uh, in Springfield with Terrence Shannon. Everybody have a great night. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Choir Podcast. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.